Good evening. It's good evening to see those who are here. Uh, we did not have our children's programs tonight, so uh, we are a little bit lower in number, so uh, bear with us. We uh, are live online here, so I hope you're joining with us. Uh, we're going to be in the Re book of Revelation here in just a moment, uh, but we're on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on uh, our phone live streaming. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, and the phone live streaming phone number is 855-532-4025. So be sure to share that uh, with others. Uh, heart, like, share the post there. Uh, be sure to give us the thumbs up on YouTube. Uh, hit the little notification bell, and that way you'll get the notifications every time we go live, just like our phone live streaming people uh, do there also. Follow us on our page on Facebook there, and you'll get the notifications <clears throat> on Facebook every time we go live. Uh, so be sure to share that with others. Also, you can go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, it's under the info tab that you can download our worship bulletins, so be sure uh, to take the time to do that. Also there, you'll find the children's worship bulletins that go along with the Sunday morning service, and so be sure to do that. If you're here in person, those are in the windowsills uh, if you need them. And it's also under that info tab that you can download your prayer list, so go ahead and get that downloaded. Uh, we will be watching on Facebook only for the live comments of any prayer requests, so go ahead and make those comments so that when we get to the prayer time, we'll already have those available and ready. Uh, and then we'll check again at the end of the service. So. Uh, be sure to go ahead and get that downloaded or printed off, however you want to do that. If you're in person, make sure you got one of these uh, for in person. And then you can also, on our church website, do your online giving. Go to the far right-hand side, do, click the Give Online tab, uh, and you can do your online giving there in person. You can do that at our offering plates, or you can bring it to the church anytime Monday through uh, Thursday. Uh, or Monday through Friday from actually Monday through Thursday from 8 to 4 30 uh, we're a half a day on Friday and so that's why I was having to correct myself there uh, you can also uh, mail it to Highland Baptist Church at post office box 1195 Tullahoma Tennessee 37388 so just wanted to remind you of those things uh, we are going through a series on the life of Jesus on Sunday mornings we do still have several of the illustrated life of Jesus books by Herschel Hobbs uh, we're giving those as a free gift they're in our gift bags for uh, for guests that come. So if you bring a guest on Sunday, be sure to pick up one of the gift bags to give to them. But if you're watching tonight online and you want to get one of these to, to help you be prepared for the messages on Sunday morning and Sunday night in the life of Jesus, just send us a, an email to Tullahoma at gmail.com or Baptist at cafes.net. Either way, uh, you can get one. If you want to just stop by the church, you can stop by and pick one of those up anytime during our business hours. It's just a free gift that we want to give to you uh, to say that we're glad to have you worshiping with us and also to help you as a resource as we go through that series on the life of Jesus. So uh, hopefully I'll have some resources for you here in the next few weeks uh, for the book of Revelation to help you with that also. Uh, but we don't have those right yet, so uh, hopefully we'll get those to you soon. But Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our hymn. Okay, turn with us on 197 and let's sing Rejoice, the Lord is King. Ms. Rima?
You may notice there on the screen, as far as our live shot with the camera, we're a little bit different. We've uh, got something off on our uh, system there, so uh, hopefully we can get that fixed before this coming Sunday or at least by next uh, Wednesday, but you bear with us uh, with that. Let me just remind you of a couple of things announcements-wise that are uh, upcoming. Uh, we have our annual chili cook-off uh, that we're going to be doing on January the 29th at 5.30. That's going to be on a Saturday, so I want you to get signed up for that uh, and just come out and have some uh, good chili with us and, and vote for those uh, chilies. Uh, it's a youth fundraiser that we're doing, and because we're doing that on that Saturday, we're not going to be doing our normal fist Sunday uh, dinner on that Sunday, but we are still attempting to do at least the sing. If we can get some people to sing. Uh, we've got two of our groups that are not able to sing uh, this time, so if you are uh, interested in singing, let us know, uh, and we'll get you plugged into the service for that evening. If not, we'll have uh, another message there on the life of Jesus. <laughs> so um, I think that's really the big things that I had uh, just to share with you there announcement-wise. Uh, there are some uh, other things that we want to share with you uh, and just remind you of the visitations and the service times. Uh, Miss, uh, we sent out the call-outs earlier uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and uh, on Miss um, Esther, Esther Phillips. Her service will be Friday at Kilgore. There'll be the visitation from 4 to 5, and then from 5 to 6 will be a memorial service. Uh, the, the, I, I did talk with the nephew today, and some had asked me about what about food or anything, and he said no, there wouldn't be any need for uh, any food. Uh, there's only going to be just about four or five of their family that'll be there. So encourage you to go and, and just to encourage that family uh, during that time uh, also. So that's four to five for the visitation, five to six for the service on Friday at Kilgore Funeral Home. Uh, then on Saturday, uh, many of you know we've made the announcement about Brother Charles Cannon, who was our church uh, custodian. He passed away uh, this past week, this past uh, Sunday. And so we are not Sunday, but just uh, before Sunday there. Uh, and we made that announcement. His funeral will be uh, on Saturday. It's just going to be a visitation here at the church from 11 to 1. Uh, we'll just close it with just a few words and prayer uh, with the family. And then they'll go for the graveside, I believe, at Shelbyville. Uh, but that's going to be from 11 to 1 on Saturday. Uh, they will be doing some snacks. I think Brother Bobby's class is taking care of that along with uh, another individual who's bringing some snacks. So we've got the snacks covered for them. I think his sister's 94. And so we're going to be setting that up in the, uh, count in the uh, conference room uh, for the snacks there so they don't have to go so far uh, for that all the way back to the fellowship hall. Um, that's the announcements then that I have. So uh, remember those two things, Friday and Saturday. And then Brother David Wall will be here on Sunday uh, to fill in for, for me. So come and encourage him, and, and you'll hear a wonderful message uh, from him on Sunday as we'll be uh, gone uh, out of town. Uh, on your prayer list, uh, if you'll take a look there, we'll start with the HBC family, the Highland Baptist Church family, uh, just to kind of go down a few here. Um, if you'll remember, uh, let me catch down here where I'm at. Uh, James and Esther Johnson, uh, Miss Esther stopped by earlier today. James is still not doing well. Has some good days once in a while, but most of the time uh, ha having a lot of issues with memory and, and uh, not, being, not thinking clearly. He has Parkinson's and, and some other issues going on, too. Uh, so remember James uh, and Esther as she's taking care uh, of him. Uh, and so they're still faithful to stay connected to our church, but she and, and the family there, and he need your prayers. Uh, we'll also want to remember... Uh, 
Arthur Hargrove uh, still having some, some difficulties there, and then also the loss of his grandson a couple of weeks ago. Remember him in your prayers. Uh, Scott Smith is doing well uh, with his recovery, uh, so we uh, praise the Lord for that. Has anybody heard from Miss Beverly? I've not heard from her this week. Okay, so nobody in here. If you're there online, let me get on to Facebook here. Get my volume down. We have to follow along with whatever prayer request you're putting there. All right, and so uh, remember Andrew Newton, he had his surgery to replace uh, the, the sensors uh, there in his brain, so just remember him in your prayers for that as he continues to recover. He's doing really well uh, with that so far, but we just pray that everything continues to go well. Uh, remember Ken Tatum, he is here tonight, uh, but he's still recovering from his surgery, uh, and so uh, keep him uh, in your prayers. And that's what I thought I wouldn't. You always have so many different volumes on Facebook. <laughs> All right. So I noticed some others are watching there with us. Be sure to share with us your, your prayer requests there. Uh, also, if you'll remember uh, Jack Doubt, he had his surgery. I've not heard an update on him. Has anybody heard from him? Okay. Uh, so remember him in your prayers. And then also on the friends and family side, there are several uh, that we've added, several we want to make sure to, to update on. Uh, Jay Barbier is in the middle of his treatments. He's the youth specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Convention with cancer. So keep him in your prayers. Wade Hall uh, is uh, still recovering from his heart surgery. He's back at home. They think they've got everything regulated with the medicines with his heart issues that he was having. Uh, so we praise the Lord for that and just pray for that continued to be uh, there, uh, to continue to go well there. Uh, Riley Heiss is uh, uh, doing well, uh, it, uh, well I say as can be, but is at home uh, now as I understand it. So just continue to keep Riley uh, in your prayer. Um, and that's Aaron and Ashley's uh, little baby uh, boy. Uh, remember um, Cindy Cruz, uh, she is my cousin that lives here in Tennessee. Uh, she um, had to go to the hospital a couple of weeks ago with appendicitis. Uh, it hadn't ruptured, but they were able to take it. But they, she had a tumor behind the appendix that they had to take a piece of her colon. She's recovering at home and doing well from that, but uh, they did find that it had spread to her liver, and it is cancer, and so she's going to be following up with treatments there. Uh, I'm also adding my <clears throat> uh, cousin the only other cousin I have that lives outside the state of Florida, two of them. Uh, he lives in Colorado, and his wife, uh, Debbie Norman, is in ICU with COVID. Uh, she had gotten better this past week to the point where she was starting to eat a little bit uh, on her own. He had finally gotten to go in to see her, uh, but then things have gone worse again, and she's back on the ventilator, uh, and so they're asking for prayer uh, for her. And then Leslie, who is my brother's wife, uh, he's the pastor down in Fort Pierce, Florida. Uh, she is sick at home tonight. They're doing a COVID test on her to make sure whether she has COVID or not, but she was uh, fairly sick. So keep her uh, in your prayers. And then also we've got there, of course, the families of Charles Cannon and Esther Phillips. Keep all of them in your prayers. And then we've added Tracy Henderson's dad, uh, Tommy Bass, um, and she doesn't know an update yet, but she's hoping to, to get an update soon. He does have stage four uh, lung cancer and, and trying to find some information there from her and from his, uh, from her, that side of the family uh, about him. So keep him in your prayers. That's Tommy Bass. Uh, any others that we have there? Any other updates on Facebook uh, that you want to share? If you don't get your comments there on Facebook before we uh, leave tonight, we'll look again before we leave. Uh, but we'll also um, check it and, and uh, get those if you send it to us in an email, uh, as we said before, at HighlandBaptistTullahoma at gmail.com or HighlandBaptistAtCafes.net. Yes. 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 Yeah, and he was further up the list there, so some of those are mingled in that have some new reports there. Uh, we were mentioning Don Smith, uh, who is Mark Smith's father. Uh, they've moved him to hospice, so uh, keep him in your prayers as he probably won't have too long. I think he's in his 90s, 96, 97, somewhere in there. Yeah. 
Okay, and so this was Mike who was telling us that a coworker of his, his wife, uh, passed away. So keep him, keep that family in your prayers. Any others? Any others there online? Okay, if there's no others then, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And again, like we said, we'll check those at the end of the service to make sure. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for your hand of grace and mercy upon us. Father, I pray and and just give you the glory and the honor, Lord, for life itself each day. Uh, For, Lord, we know that you could have taken us home to be with you at any moment, at any time, but you have us here for a purpose and for a reason. And so, Father, I pray that tonight as you are present with us, make your power known to us. Uh, Father, show yourself in a powerful way. Provide for our every need and protect us, Lord, and keep us safe in your hands. But, Father, we do pray for your presence to be made known to us, made known to us through your word, made known to us, Lord, uh, in our prayers with you. And so, Father, we know for there not to be any hindrance in our communication with you that we must confess and repent of our sin because you've told us in your word that if we hold on to sin in our hearts and in our lives, you will not hear from heaven. Those things block our prayer life. And so, Lord, I pray that as sometimes we're praying and we feel like uh, we're not getting an answer to our prayers, then I pray, Lord, that we would examine our hearts. And so help us to examine our hearts even tonight. Lord, whatever you might show to us or reveal to us of sin, whether it's in actions that we've done, or words that we've spoken, or in thoughts that we've thunk. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to confess those things to you. And, Father, that you would forgive us of all of our sin. Wash us, Lord, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Renew our minds, cleanse our hearts, and set us on the path of righteousness, Lord, for your name's sake. Lord, bless us tonight as we come before you in prayer because we have a burden, Lord, for many that are on this prayer list. Uh, We know there are those, Lord, who have lost their loved ones. And so we just pray for you to send the Holy Spirit to them who is the great comforter to bring peace and comfort to their hearts. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you will uh, just lift them up with your mighty strong arm and help them to press forward. Uh, in the days ahead. Surround them with your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. And Father, we pray that you would be with each one of these that we've mentioned. Some, Lord, uh, who we know that uh, the prognosis is, is that they are soon to go home to be with you. And so, Father, we pray that you will be with those families uh, during this time and be with those individuals during this time, that that time will be a peaceful transition for them. For those, Lord, who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this will be the moment, the now, today, now, right now, that you would just reach into their hearts, make yourself known to them and the gospel known to them, uh, that they would call out to you for salvation. Uh, Father, that they would be with you in heaven Uh, before it's too late. Father, we pray that uh, you would be with each one of these who are sick and who are needing your healing hand to be upon them. We ask, Lord, for you to touch them, for you to divinely intervene uh, in their hearts and in their lives, to show yourself powerful uh, in a mighty way. And Father, we just pray that you will uh, just bring the healing that they need to their bodies. We know, Lord, that you can do that to each and every one of these all at the same time. So we uplift them into your hands. You are the great physician, and we just pray, God, for you to bring that healing not only for their sakes, but more importantly for your name's sake, that it will be used, Lord, as an, as an opportunity to glorify your name, to testify uh, of your saving grace and your mercy and, and your hand upon these individuals. So touch them, Lord, and bring that healing uh, to their bodies and to their lives. And Father, I pray that you'll be with their families also as they're going through this time. We know that many times families are not able to be with their loved one in the hospital uh, during these difficult times. So just encourage them and help them, Lord, to keep leaning upon you uh, each and every day. And Father, we just pray for your will to be done. Lord, bless us as a church as we continue to press forward uh, in, in 2022 to do all that you would have us to do. Help us, Lord, to be faithful uh, in our walk with you. Help us, Lord, Lord, to serve you and to love you and to fall in love with you more and more, to grow closer in our relationship with you more than we ever have before. And Father, I pray especially 
tonight. As we look again at the book of Revelation, we still continue to claim the promise that you've given us of the blessing here in the beginning of the book of Revelation, that those who read this word, those who hear this word, those who keep this word will be blessed. And so, Father, I pray that we will do all three of those things, uh, that as we hear your word tonight, may we be blessed. As we read your word, I pray that we wouldn't just uh, listen to, to the pastor read it, that we would read it ourselves along with him. And may that be a second blessing. And then, Lord, as we see the application for our lives, may we uh, take that and, and apply it to our lives and live in that truth and understand that truth and apply that truth to our hearts and our lives, uh, Lord, that we might keep our focus on Jesus throughout this whole time in the book of Revelation. We're we know we're going to see a lot of things in this book, Lord, uh, that could be fearful uh, to the human eye, but you are going to tell us tonight, as you told John, don't be afraid, uh, don't fear. Uh, keep your eyes on Jesus, the one who is coming again, the king who is coming. And so, Father, I pray that that's what we'll do and that's what we'll learn and that will be the key that will lead us through the book of Revelation as we keep our eyes on Jesus. So bless those who are here tonight. Bless those who are watching online, uh, whether they're here locally in our own community or even all the way around the world somewhere else. Father, we know there are those who do that. So we pray, God, for your blessings upon each and every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1. We're going to get close there tonight, but we're not going to quite finish up uh, with Revelation 1 tonight. We're picking up with verse 9 down through verse 18. And so we're going to pick up here to just read a few verses to kind of set the stage for us, if you will, uh, of coming into what we really want to look at tonight in verse 13 and following. So let's read verse 9 down through verse 12. Uh, John is beginning to see this vision, and so he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So right there in just that first verse, remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the New Testament church, and he's telling them, I'm going through the same tribulations you are. Uh, he's saying to them, I, I want you to maintain and, and continue in a patient endurance. He says, I'm here on this island of uh, uh, Patmos in, in the prison here uh, on account of because I preach the word of God, because of the testimony of Jesus that I've shared. You know, most of us wouldn't, uh, in our day, in our culture here, and at least in America, wouldn't experience this kind of persecution or tribulation. But there are Christians all around this world who do face uh, these kind of situations and circumstances where they are imprisoned because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And so John is saying to them, I know where you are. I know what you're going through. Here's what I want you to focus on. He says in verse one, I was in the, or verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And so uh, we're not going to get a whole lot into those seven golden lampstands because we're going to see that uh, a little bit later here. But has it ever occurred to you uh, how uh, th th that as much as we're told about Jesus in the Gospels, we're never really told what did he look like? Did he have a beard? Did he have long hair? Uh, was he blonde? Was he brown-haired? Was he blue-eyed? Was he brown-eyed? Uh, we don't know those kind of things about what he looks like. Now, there have been many sincere, honest efforts uh, to portray Jesus uh, on canvas, but I have a feeling that none of those pictures really do Jesus any justice. Uh, the only description that we know of Jesus in the Bible is found here in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. 
But it's obviously, as we're going to see, a figurative uh, description, uh, which cannot be painted on canvas. You could paint the, the images that we're going to see, but it still uh, wouldn't reflect uh, the, the figurative language here uh, the, to, the, to translate to the physical and so uh, it, to be translated into a, into a portrait itself. So in fact, knowing that this is figurative language, I, I doubt even uh, that this description here does full justice to the risen Lord. Uh, and so John is doing his best to give us the image of what he's seeing in, in the language that the people would have understand. So remember, it's been over 60 years, as John is writing this on the island of Patmos here, since John has seen Jesus, uh, he, since Jesus ascended into the heavens. He hears a voice uh, like a trumpet, and he turns to see the voice, and he sees one, as verse 13 will tell us, like the Son of Man. Now, I think it's extremely informative here that John saw one like a Son of Man or the Son of Man, not just the Son of God. Because as much as we emphasize the deity of Jesus Christ, that he was fully God, we never need to forget the humanity uh, of Jesus. Jesus is forever more a man. Uh, Jesus wasn't a man before his incarnation. He was God and, and God alone, but he was born as a man. He lived as a man. He died as a man. He was raised as a man, and he's now and forever a man. He's, and that's a staggering thought to realize uh, that, that he sits as a man on the throne. The title, the Son of Man, uh, describes the humanity of Jesus. Eighty-five times in the Gospels, Jesus is called the Son of Man. It was one of his favorite titles because of those 85 times, 83 of those times was where Jesus used that title to refer to himself. He loved for people to know that he wasn't just God. Now, he told people that he was, uh, that he was indeed God. Uh, but he wanted to make sure uh, that he knew that, they, that he was man. He was indeed man, the God-man. You know, one of the questions that pastors are often asked is, uh, who are we going to see in heaven? God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? Well, I want to say, first of all, that we're only going to see one God, not three uh, gods. Uh, some people believe we're going to see three gods, but the reason why we're not going to see three gods is because there's only one God. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. But I believe that person of the Godhead that we'll see is the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in the book of Revelation. That is, he is going to be sitting on the throne. Uh, there's going to be people gathered around him, creatures gathered around him, praising his name. And, and we'll get to that uh, as we get to that part of the vision uh, in a few weeks here. Um, and so in the Old Testament... We call him Jehovah, uh, but he's the one great God that we're going to see, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is a very serious picture of Jesus. And if it were taken seriously by those who read it, I believe that the readers would, uh, would think a lot more seriously about Jesus. You know, because we better get serious about Jesus, because if you aren't serious about Jesus, then you're doomed to be without Jesus. Uh, Jesus isn't some joke. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. But this picture isn't only to be taken seriously. It's also to be taken symbolically. And so you're going to see as we analyze piece by piece this description of Jesus that it's a figurative description. So remember, symbolic language still represents literal truth. And this symbolic picture of the Lord reveals to us some literal eternal truths that we need to learn about the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The first thing I want you to get from this passage that we're going to look at tonight, especially as we get into verse 13 here, is that he is the commanding Christ. He's the commanding Christ. The Son of Man that John saw, notice what verse 13 says, and in the midst of those lampstands was one like a Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash, around his chest. Now this, this, as we begin to see here, being clothed uh, with this long robe describes the authority of Jesus. The long flowing garment uh, refers to the, the regal robes, if you will, of a judge. 
And, and it's the close of a magistrate. When Isaiah had his vision of the Lord, you remember what he recalled in Isaiah 6 verse 1? He said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And so when Isaiah saw the Lord, he was dressed in that long flowing robe of judicial authority, the same robe that John sees Jesus in here. So the picture in the book of Revelation of Jesus isn't someone who's coming as a savior. He came as a savior in the gospels. This is someone who is coming as a judge. And every human being who lives on this planet and who's ever lived on this planet has a date with deity. Every person one day will face to face is going to meet Jesus. And so know this, you'll either meet him as your savior or you will meet him as your judge. And if you don't meet him as your savior now, you will meet him as your judge then. So one way or the other, you're going to meet him. The choice is up to you in how you meet him. Uh, I heard a story one time about a woman who was in a lot of legal trouble uh, one time and she needed a lawyer, uh, but she knew this very competent uh, attorney who was uh, the master of this kind of case, and so she didn't worry about it too much. Uh, she knew that uh, she, he, he would win the case uh, for her, and so she kept putting off going to see him, and, and then one day as the trial was getting closer, she quickly uh, approached and went to his office, but she found he wasn't a lawyer anymore. He was now a judge. And so she said, oh, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad I'm coming before you as a judge. And he said, ma'am, had you come to me sooner, I would, have been, I would have defended you. But now I can only judge you. One of these days, if we procrastinated and we have put off choosing Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, you're going to stand before him and you're going to cry out, oh, Lord Jesus, save me. But Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to say, I could have saved you and I would have saved you if you'd come to me sooner. But now it's too late and I can no longer save you. I can now only judge you. In the Old Testament, Jesus was pictured as the suffering Jesus. In the Gospels, he's pictured as the saving Jesus. In Acts, he's pictured as the spirit Jesus. In the epistles, in the letters, he's pictured as the sanctifying Jesus. But in the book of Revelation, he is pictured as the sovereign Jesus who comes not to save, but to judge. He's secondly, the consecrated Christ. The consecrated Christ. Look again at verse 14 here. In the beginning of verse 14, it says uh, that the hairs of his head uh, were white, like white wool, like snow. And so that describes to us, in symbolic language there, the picture of the purity of Jesus. This verse takes us back to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 1. And here's what it says there. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Uh, and, and so uh, those verses won't be on the screen. We'll just have our Revelation verses. So you might want to jot those verses down as you're, you're taking notes to go back and to look at them. But sin stains us. Sin spots us. It blemishes us and, and blots us. But the blood of Jesus Christ can make us as pure as white and snow and, and as bleached wool. That refers to the purity, to the clean, cleanliness, to the holiness of Jesus Christ, to the perfect sinlessness of Christ. As a man, Jesus knew what it was like to be tempted. In fact, that's what we're going to be coming up to uh, in a couple of weeks uh, in the messages on Sunday. Uh, in the life of Jesus is about the temptation of Jesus. He knew what it was like to be tempted. But as God, he didn't know uh, what it was to sin because Jesus wasn't just as pure as the driven snow because you think about the driven snow even itself, uh, it, it carries with it impurities in the air as it passes through the atmosphere. Jesus is even purer than the driven snow. So have you considered this, the fact that Jesus is the only man who ever lived who never had to have a guilty conscience? He's the only man who never had to confess sin. Jesus forgave sin, 
but he was never uh, he, he never had to forsake sin he was perfectly pure and purely perfect jesus was a man of grace he was a man of glory but he was never a man of guilt some of the greatest men in the Bible were also some of the guiltiest men in the Bible. When Isaiah, the great prophet, saw God in heaven high and lifted up, do you remember what he said in Isaiah 6 verse 5? He said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He said, I'm unclean. David, the greatest king that Israel ever had, uh, uh, and a man who was after God's own heart, said this in Psalm 51 and verse 3. He said, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. The greatest preacher who ever lived, other than Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, uh, said this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. He said that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, taught us to pray, Father, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins. But he never had to pray, forgive me for my sins. In fact, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, you remember what he said? Father, forgive them. But he never once was he known to pray, Father, forgive me. He is the sinless Savior that we're told about in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 that says, He was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Pure, perfect, white. His head, the, the hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow, as verse 14 tells us here. Think about that. In Hebrews 7, verse 26, we're told, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Even Judas, who betrayed Jesus, knew that when he betrayed Jesus, he hadn't just betrayed just any man. Because you remember what he said? I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Matthew 27, 4. The suffering servant of the Old Testament is the sinless Savior of the New Testament. We also see in verse 14 that he's the comprehending Christ. The comprehending Christ. We're told this in the remaining part of verse 14. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Now what that refers to is his omniscience, to his all-seeing, all-knowing as Jesus. What does it mean when he says that his eyes were like a flame of fire? Well, fire penetrates. It burns through things. And we would say today it's kind of like he has x-ray vision that he could burn through. Have you ever had someone just stare a hole right through you? We use that phrase sometimes. That's the picture here. Jesus has eyes of fire that can burn a hole right through your heart. Uh, if fire is not hot enough, is hot enough, it can burn through almost anything. And what we're what we're being told here is that nothing will be hidden from Jesus in that day when He returns. He sees it all. He hears it all. He knows it all. And in that day when he returns, Luke 8 verse 17 says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Everything that you've ever thought about, that you've ever done in your life, that you thought was hidden, buried in the closet, behind all the clothes and everything that nobody knows anything about, one day it's all going to be known. There was an old country newspaper where everybody knew everybody else and everybody knew everybody's business. And this newspaper had a motto that they put in bold type on the top of their edition. Every edition that they printed, it said this. If you don't want it printed, don't let it happen. <laughs> if you don't want to be judged by your words, don't say them. If you don't want to be judged by your thoughts, don't think them. For every secret will be revealed. You know, Richard Nixon made the biggest mistake of his life. Uh, he said that the biggest mistake of his life was, was not burning those Watergate tapes. Because he said, if I just burned them, nobody would have ever known. Well, he's wrong. Because Jesus would have known. 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. That's the same image that John is trying to describe to us here. He's the all-wise, all-knowing, all-seeing Christ. He sees it all. He hears it all. He knows it all. He comprehends it all. He's also the condemning Christ. We're told this about his feet in the beginning of verse 15. His feet were like burnished bronze. Now that pictures to us the severity of Jesus. In in the Old Testament, brass was a symbol of judgment, the judgment of God. All of the instruments, think about it, all the instruments that were used in the outer court of the tabernacle were made of brass. The altar where the fire burned was made of brass. The laver where the priests would wash their hands was made out of brass. You think about the tongs and all the instruments. They were made out of brass because this represents the judgment of God upon sin as they would bring their sacrifices. And so I say again, Jesus is pictured here as a judge. We sometimes think that God the Father is going to be the judge. But John, Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 22, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. You're going to, you're going to be there before the Son who, who is going to be the judge. There are some people who are hoping that they could just sneak by Jesus and get to God, that maybe there's some way they can go around uh, surrendering their heart and their life to Jesus and make it to God, that somehow they could appeal to some higher authority and go uh, around the Lord. The only problem is there is no higher authority than Jesus. Jesus is going to judge the sinner who refused his love. He's going to judge Satan who rebelled against his lordship. And one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible is found all the way back in the beginning in Genesis 3 verse 15. Where God said to the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 2,000 years ago, it was like the fangs of the devil fastened on those feet. But one day, like a red hot iron, these feet of brass, one day like a red hot iron will trample on the serpent's head and crush him with the powerful feet of brass. A lot of people don't like the picture of the severity of Jesus. They prefer to think of the gentle Jesus, the meek and mild Jesus, Mary's little lamb. But let me remind you that Jesus is not only the lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world, he is also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And one day he will judge the sins of this world. He is the condemning Christ. He's also the communicating Christ. Notice in the rest of verse 15, we're told about his voice. So his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. Now what this is referring to is referring to the integrity of Jesus. When Jesus speaks, everyone's going to listen. Those who are older will remember this. Those who are younger probably have no idea who E.F. Hutton is. Uh, We used to remember those commercials that used to come on TV all the time. Uh, When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. And so uh, what we see here, not everybody really listened to E.F. Hutton, uh, but what we see here is that when Jesus speaks, everyone is going to listen. John 5 verse 28 reminds us and says this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Even the dead are going to hear his voice. A voice is for communication. It's how we express ourselves to someone else. When Jesus returns to this earth, he's got a few things that he wants to say. And we're all going to listen, and his voice is going to be unlike any voice that you've ever heard in your life. If you think about back to the Old Testament, you remember when when Moses had gone upon the mountain to receive the commands from God, and he's up there talking to God and praying with God, and and the people are down in the valley, and and when God speaks... It sounds like thunders and and lightnings and and just a roar of a voice. And when when Moses comes back down, they say, well, we don't want you speak to us. We don't want to hear directly from God because it was so frightening and terrifying. That's what we see here. 
that it's going to be a voice unlike any voice that we've ever heard or seen in our life. I believe the Holy Spirit had Psalm 29 verse 3 and verse 4 in mind when he gave this description to John because notice what it says in Psalm 29, 3 and 4. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful, and the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Can you even imagine a voice that will stop the world on its axis? That everyone both alive and dead will be able to hear. To the saint... It's going to be a voice of joy that calls forth our bodies out of the grave or calls us forth to be with him in the heavens. But to the sinner, it's going to be a voice of judgment that calls to doom and to death. Listen to the awesome picture that Jeremiah painted in Jeremiah 25, verse 30. You therefore shall prophesy against them all these words and say to them, The Lord will roar from on high and from his holy habitation utter his voice. He will roar mightily against his fold and shout like those who tread grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. Do you see here that he's going to be speaking against the earth. What he has to say in this day will not have a lot to do with positive thinking and self-improvement that we hear about today. We go on to read in Jeremiah verse 31 there in chapter 25. It says, the clamor will resound to the ends of the earth for the Lord has an indictment against the nations. He is entering into judgment with all flesh and the wicked he will put to the sword, declares the Lord. So not only Will every eye see the Lord Jesus? Every ear will hear the Lord Jesus. It's a voice like many waters. There won't be any arguments. There won't be any debates in that day. It won't be us trying to explain to him and, 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 and plead with him. Uh, he's going to be the only one that's going to speak. I mean, could you imagine this? Get the picture here. His voice is like roaring waters. Could you imagine standing at the foot of Niagara Falls and trying to argue with someone? They couldn't hear you. The, the roaring of the falls is, is overwhelming. And he's saying that God's voice is even greater than those roaring waters. You think about that. Imagine standing there, Niagara Falls, uh, where some 12 million cubic feet of water roar down every minute trying to argue with a thunderous voice like that. And that day, there's not going to be any argument. There's not going to be any debate. There's not going to be any discussion. There's not going to be, well, well, God, I, I was doing this, but you just don't understand. There's not going to be any dissent. All that the Lord, to all that the Lord has to say, he's the communicating Christ. He's also the controlling Christ. He's the controlling Christ. Notice what verse 16 goes on to say. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Now, this refers to the sovereignty of Jesus. We sing the song, he's got the whole world in his hands, but really he has the whole universe and beyond in his hands. By him, all things consist, and by him, all things are held together. That's spoken about Jesus, the very stars in their tracks, the very planets in their orbit are, are all held and guided by his sovereign hand. But there's a greater symbolic meaning here. You read over in verse 20, and it says that the stars are the angels of the seven churches. So he never leaves us to wonder, what is this meaning? What are these stars that he's holding in his hand? He tells us a little later there in verse 20, they're the angels of the seven churches. Well, the angels of the seven churches represent the pastors, the ministers uh, of those seven churches. And the lampstands represent the churches themselves. Jesus holds in his very hand at this moment the church. Think about that. This isn't your church. This isn't even our church. It's not my church. This church is his church. Don't worry one moment about God's church. But even greater, think about this. Even the gates of hell 
cannot prevail against the church uh, of the living God. There are some who, 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 who predict even uh, the, the death of the church and the death even uh, of Christianity. Uh, but, but the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of the living God. He has complete control over all the celestial forces, over all the spiritual forces, over all the political forces, over all the financial forces. And not one thing is overlooked, but all things are overruled by his sovereign hand. The eighth wonder of the modern world is the church of God because it's been tried to be destroyed all throughout history. And it's still here today. The church of God has survived persecutions from without. It survived problems from within. Sometimes it's been infected with heresy. At other times it's been neglected uh, by her members. At other times it's been uh, defected uh, by her sin. But it still remains the church of the living God held by his protective hand. Sometimes stumbling but never failing and rising to stand. Another thing that we see here is that he's the conquering Christ. We read about his mouth in verse 16 also. So not only in his right hand he's holding the seven stars, and that refers back to those seven churches we read them named earlier. Uh, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. So from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. This refers to the fierceness uh, of Christ, the conquering of Christ. A sword in the, in the scripture is a symbol of death and, and war. And so one of these days, what we read here that John is showing us and giving us in this description, is that one of these days, the Lord Jesus is coming back to do battle with the nations of this world. And he will have only one weapon, the sword that proceeds out of his mouth. That in itself is a clue as to what the sword represents. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any what? Two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So God's word is a weapon that will either convict you to be saved or cut you if you refuse to be saved. But it cuts either way. It'll cut to bless or it'll cut to bleed. Jesus is coming back to do battle. He's coming back to fight the battle that will end all war. A sword is for fighting. And Jesus tells us in Revelation 2 and verse 16, he says, Therefore repent, if not I will come to you soon and war against them with what? The sword of my mouth. The sword that John just described here. Jesus is coming back to wage war. He's not coming to lay down his sword and surrender because Jesus never loses. He's coming back to take vengeance on every tribe and every nation that rejected him. The purpose of this sword that we read about is given to us in Revelation 19 and verse 15. What's the purpose of this sword? Notice what it says in Revelation 19, 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. The only weapon he has is the word of God, like a sword coming out of his mouth, because that's the only weapon he needs. Think about this. When we're told in Ephesians 6 to put on the whole armor of God, we're only given one weapon. What is it? The sword. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He tells us that even in Ephesians, that's what it is. Because that's the only weapon we need. Nothing can stand before the word of God. When God spoke in the beginning, what did he say? Let there be light. And, and the darkness had to flee. Jesus said, be healed. And the disease had to flee. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, death had to flee. When, when Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me, the devil had to flee. The one thing that the world and the devil hate and have tried to destroy from the very beginning of time is the word of God. But when the last battle is fought and the smoke is cleared, the one thing that will be standing over all of God's enemies is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's the compelling Christ. 
We're told about his face in verse 16. It says, his face was like the sun shining in full strength. That refers to the majesty of Jesus. It refers to the, to the Shekinah glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember when Moses came down off the mount? What, what happened to his face? It was glowing from being in the presence of God Almighty, the Shekinah glory of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, you remember when he was on the road to Damascus and he had his encounter with the Lord? It was a, it was a blinding light, a blinding light 2,000 years ago. He experienced firsthand that radiant glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you, do you see that his countenance, his face was like the sun shining in full strength? Now, what does that mean? That refers to the fact that the brightness of Jesus can be, ref can be compared to the brightness of the sun in its very, very beginning. It, you, you, we know from, from what we study about the sun that today it isn't as powerful as it was 100 years ago, much less as it was in the days of Jesus. Uh, it's burning out. Uh, certainly not as powerful as it was in the days of Abraham and certainly not as powerful as it was in the days of Adam. Did you know that the sun is losing weight by radiation at the rate of 4.2 million tons every second? That simply means that as strong as the sun is today, it's not as strong as it was in the beginning of time. And what John is saying here is that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined the absolute brilliant, radiant glory that's yet to be revealed from our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so brilliant, it's so bright, it's so illuminating that we discover at the end of this book that in the New Jerusalem, there's no more stars to shine. There's no more moon. There's no more sun. Why? Because he is the light. Woo. We walk in the light of the glory of the Son of the living God. But here's the final point I want to give you. He's the comforting Christ. This last point refers to the serenity of Christ. Look at verse 17 and verse 18. Verse 17 says, When I saw him, in all that description we just saw, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. When John saw Jesus, we read there that he fell at his feet dead. Most people today hardly give Jesus a second glance. But when John saw him in all of his glory, he fell at his feet as dead. What this world needs today, what the church needs today, what God's people, what we need today is a new, real vision of Jesus Christ. I'm afraid even among God's people that there's too much familiarity and not enough reverence for this man called Jesus. And all too often, Jesus Christ has become a byword. It's become a swear word, just another slang expression. I want to tell you loud and clear, if you want to understand Jesus, if you want to be rightly related to Jesus, you need to remember that Jesus isn't just Jesus. Jesus isn't even just Jesus Christ. He's the Lord Jesus Christ before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no one like Jesus. There never has been and there never will be. This precious Jesus lays his right hand on John, a gesture of comfort and reassurance. And notice what he says to him. Don't be afraid. Fear not. The reason why John had no reason to be afraid, nor do we, is because Jesus has the keys of death and Hades. He holds the keys. Think about that. The keys, keys are a symbol of power and authority. Jesus was saying to John, I hold authority over death and hell itself. So John, no matter what you see in this vision to come, no matter what's going on around you, you don't have to be afraid. You can just see a day in your mind's eye 2,000 years ago when a monster called death reached out a bony finger and, and called for God's dear son to come. 
Jesus walks toward him unflinching. Death binds him with chains and throws him in that tomb, thinking he's defeated the Son of God forever, man's only hope. Death sits on a throne, bones laughing, smirking, crying out across the distance with the laugh of scorn. And one day passes, nothing. Two days pass, and nothing. Three days pass, and the earth begins to quake and to quiver, and the throne of bones collapses like a house of cards, and that stone is rolled away, and out steps Jesus Christ. The face of death is, is white with horror, and Jesus walks up to that bony coward, and he takes that, the one nail-pierced hand and grabs him by the neck, hurls him to the dungeon floor of that tomb, and takes the other nail-pierced hand and reaches down and pulls out the sting out of death. And then he places that nail-pierced feet uh, upon uh, the neck of death and he points to the harmless stinger and he looks to the rolled away stone and he says loud enough for all of heaven and all of hell to hear, Oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? And then he takes those keys of death and hell and puts them on his side and he strolls away into victory. Whoo, what a picture. Amen. Revelation 20 and verse 14 tells us this, that one of these days Jesus is going to come back. And he's going he's gonna to take death and hell and throw them into the bottomless pit and shut the door and lock it and throw away the keys. That verse says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. But now, right now and forevermore, you know what? He holds the keys. He holds the keys to salvation. He holds the keys to satisfaction. He holds the keys to eternal life. But not only does he hold the keys, he's the door itself. And if you'll take that key and you'll walk through that door, you can reign with him forever and ever. You know what Jesus says to us tonight? Same thing he says to John. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what you see around you now. Don't be afraid about what you're going to read about in the book of Revelation. There's nothing to fear about the book of Revelation. Nothing to fear about these visions you're going to see. Because if you know Jesus... And he's your Lord and your Savior. One day you're going to enter through those pearly gates because you know the one who has the keys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What a powerful, powerful message from John. Lord, I pray and thank you, praise you and thank you so much for sharing this vision with us, not only for those that John was writing to in that day of the, of the church that was in tribulation and being persecuted, but to us today. That no matter what we're going through in life as individuals, no matter what we're going through life in, in as a church, no matter what we're going through as a nation or even in this world, you're on your throne and you hold the keys to death and hell. And all we have to do is reach out and accept the free gift that you're offering to us. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging us in the midst of so much discouragement. Help us, Lord, to know that this is not something to be trifled with. Jesus is coming back as the judge, and we need to make sure that we're ready, that we know the judge, we know Jesus, we know the one who paid the price for our sins. And Father, I pray that one day we'll come into your presence and you'll usher us right into heaven because you hold the keys. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for us. Be with us in these days. Encourage us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, so much for joining us. We'll be back in Revelation next Wednesday night. That'll be the next message I'll be preaching. Uh, Brother David Wall will be here this Sunday, so come and, and you'll be blessed by his message. But you have a blessed week. Stay safe. Don't forget about those two funeral services Friday for Miss Esther Phillips uh, from 4 to 5 for the visitation, 5 to 6 for the service, and then for Brother Charles uh, Cannon on Saturday from 11 to 1. The visitation will be here at the church. Miss Esther Phillips will be at Kilgore Funeral Home. Uh, just looking back real quickly, I don't see any other prayer requests there. Thank you for joining us. You have a blessed week.